You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. You're listening to episode 399 and you're... <laughs> <laughs> One of those days. <laughs> Here we go again. You're listening to episode 399 and I'm your co-host, Brittany Martin. And I'm your co-host, Gemma Isroff. Hey, Gemma. How are you? I am doing well. Excited about the end of the year. How are you doing? I am doing quite well. So we're going to pretend this episode is taking place in 2022 because it's going to be the first episode that we publish in the new year. But let's not lie. It is definitely still 2021. And I'm enjoying all the memes where people are like, by the way, 2022 going to be exactly the same as 2021. What do you think? I'm so excited for that not to be the case. (laughs) I feel like the last year and a half has been a thing of trying to still be optimistic, but getting that repeatedly shot down. 2022 is going to be our turning point. I'm excited for it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the telltale of whether or not we're actually recording this in 2021 is whether or not Ruby 3.1 was published on Christmas Day, because as of right now, I don't know and I don't want to be wrong. So let's see what happens. (laughs) Yeah, we're in that sweet spot where we have Rails 7 and not yet Ruby 3.1, but I think it's coming in a few days. Agreed. So before we dig into maybe some possible New Year's resolutions, and we'll have to dig into whether or not you're a resolution person in general, let's just talk about some things that changed in the last year. I'll kick it off with this podcast. Jumped, you know, networks in June, brought you, Nick, and Brian on as co-hosts, and it has just been absolutely fabulous. Thanks so much for having us. It's been so fun to be a part of. Was that a foreseen change? Like, did you know at the turn of the year that that might be coming? Absolutely not. That kind of was like a thing that came out of nowhere. I just started to see the signs that maybe I needed to jump. And in the end, it was definitely the right mood for us. But it was definitely a couple panicky minutes where it's just like, is this the right thing to do? Do I let it go? Do I let somebody else take over? And I think in the end, it worked out. But I really love the new vibe. I love the logo. I love having a dedicated website. I just really appreciate all the sponsors that have hung in there with us. So I guess jumping on a resolution, I want to do a better job next year of talking to listeners and finding out what content are we putting out there that people really enjoy. Do they prefer this casual banter between me and the co-hosts or the co-hosts together? I think the podcast panel was really well received. And can I still keep doing these interviews? Because it's so important to me that we get people who have never been interviewed before out there. Yeah, those are definitely some of my favorite episodes for sure. The sponsors who have stuck with us. And also there are so many listeners who have just stuck through the transition, right? Totally. But bringing Paul on as an editor who is the feature of episode 398. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I highly recommend you do. The quality of the podcast has just gone up infinitely. Thank goodness for him. Yeah, I think it's such a good model of a podcast, too, hopefully for folks. I think so, but obviously I'm biased. So I feel like I'm one of the few that did not change jobs this year, but you did. So I'm curious, any reflections on job hunting and now like settling in at Shopify? I did. Yeah, I don't know that I would say I'm fully settled. I'm only two and a half, almost three months in at Shopify. So I don't know that I would say fully settled. I think most job processes look different for one reason or another. I knew I wanted to be on this team at Shopify. And so I was 
kind of targeting that quite specifically, which I think looked different than some broader searches, at least I'd done in the past. So I can't speak to the job market as a whole from that perspective, but I am really uh, excited to be where I currently am at. You've done a ton of interviewing too this year. I sure have. I have done so many interviews this year and it's just going to continue as we go into next year. Texas raised a Series C round back in November. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So essentially we're doubling the engineering team. And while I've had some success, it's a lot. I'm, I think, extremely picky about who I bring onto the team. And this is really not the labor market for that. Yeah. And are you at capacity in terms of how many people you currently manage? I currently manage eight. Once all this hiring is done, at least the first round, it will go to 12. And you're totally right, Gemma. I'm getting to that edge where we are going to probably have to replicate me. Have you been hiring managers too? Yeah. So the goal is to hire a front end lead. Coming into Q1, this is someone that we used to have and I kind of took over their duties. It's really funny, though, and this actually leads into one of my resolutions. I need to remove myself as a bottleneck. I did not expect managing the front end team to be so enjoyable because I'm not a front end Mm -hmm. developer. It's so much fun working with them because, you know, it's the part of the code base that people touch and feel. People have real opinions about it. It's very exciting when you update it. The tooling in the front end world, while I mean, definitely has some drawbacks for sure. It is really fun to work with. And so it might be a world where I go back to only managing back end developers, but I will really miss managing the front end as well. Yeah, for sure. Are you comfortable as a front end developer? Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) How does that go? Yeah, so... I am very lucky that the four front end developers that I manage now really take the time to explain all the different concepts. So like a big thing for them is we implemented TypeScript in our Chrome extension. And that has just led, I can see that has led to far less errors in that code base. And so we want to backport TypeScript into all of our front ends. And so I can fluently talk about that and the benefits of it. But if you were to ask me to like actually write it, no, I can't do that. Yeah. And and I've always thought to myself, would I do a better job managing them if I could do that? And I don't think the answer is yes. While I think having a front end architect in place to help make those decisions would be really great. And that's not a role that would be a good fit for me. I think in the end, just because you're managing someone doesn't mean that you have to be extremely fluent on what they're doing, but you need to be technical enough in order to guide them. Yeah, exactly. And I would even imagine there's an argument to be made in the opposite direction that your ability to talk about it at a high level, but not get into the weeds of the code actually benefits you so that you're not micromanaging or you're not finding yourself drawn to look at specific PRs or things like that when you have so many other people to manage and so much else going on, too. That's such a good point, because every time we open a new pull request, we have rules that if you're a back end developer and it's Ruby change, then you get flagged. If it's front end and it's JS, you get flagged. And you're right. I don't get flagged on the front end pull requests. Do I read them so that way I can see the rationale as to what they did? Absolutely. Am I judging them? No way. (laughs) Yeah. Which is actually really interesting as a manager, right? Like, is that a helpful thing to actually not be in a place where you even could be judging them? Totally. You know, I requested changes on a front end pull request the other day and I probably shocked that developer. But it's because (laughs) I read their commit message and realized they did the wrong thing. 
So I wasn't even a judge. The code, the code, yeah, it was the concept. (laughs) But the concept, exactly. So in the end, I just have to learn how to remove myself as a bottleneck. I am, as the listeners probably very well know, I'm a very type A person. And correct me if I'm wrong, Gemma, I feel like you might be towards that direction. It depends on the thing. I'm a casual type A. It feels like an oxymoron. So you're probably a type A minus. I always tell people I'm a type A plus. Depends on the thing. Totally. It does depend on the thing. So I just need to learn how to remove myself as a bottleneck because in the end, I joined this engineering team. I was managing three people. And Mm. so while things have changed over a year and a half, and if we want to scale out the team, I'm going to have to learn how to step back. Oh, completely. This episode is brought to you by Hook Relay from our friends at Honey Badger. Do you integrate your apps with third parties like Stripe, GitHub, Slack, or Trello? If you want quality webhooks like Stripes, for example, there's more than just sending a JSON payload to your customer's URL and calling it a day, right? That's where Hook Relay comes in. Hook Relay is a service that makes sending and receiving webhooks reliable, secure, and transparent automatically. Users are amazed at the visibility they've gained in their webhooks. Without Hook Relay, you have no idea how many requests you're processing. With Hook Relay, you can watch your traffic, inspect each request, and much more. It's like x-ray vision. Of course, if your app or your integration partners are being flaky, you'll love the peace of mind that comes with knowing that no matter what happens, Hook Relay will make sure that your webhooks are delivered. Skip days of grunt work rolling your own webhook system and get reliable webhooks for your app in minutes, not days. Go to hookrelay.dev to get started and check webhooks off your to-do list. Do you have a lot of processes in place that can also help you as you scale? Manage processes you follow? Such a good question. I have introduced a lot more tooling into what I am doing. I actually got a suggestion from a WNB.RB member about implementing Know Your Team. I'm managing all of my one-on-ones in there and all of my action items that come out of that. Mm. And that's been really helpful because I get reminders. I can see like a comprehensive report as to like who I've been talking to. In the past, I just had too many meetings where we talked about technical things or, you know, raised questions and they just went to the ether. So I, Mm. I can't allow that anymore. Got it. So building tooling around keeping what used to be in your head elsewhere. Totally. And, you know, I've been doing a lot of product stuff at Texas as we have been hiring our product team again. And one of our support members is moving into a product manager role, which is really exciting. And so I had a call with him yesterday and he's like, how do you do what you do? And I think just having that question ask really helps because you realize that you do actually have a lot of processes that you just assume that everybody knows what you're doing. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things about teaching in general. It's often when teaching that you realize how much you yourself have learned or or put into place. Totally. It's like the little lessons learned. You know, you got burned one time and then you're like, oh, I should do it this way. And then you just kind of accept this fact that this is how you do the thing. Yeah. It's like, what is water? All your processes. (laughs) Speaking of processes, my God, has WNB.RB grown? What lessons have you learned from that? So many. I think this, well, so it's interesting we're talking about this in the context of broader resolutions, because like you said about the podcast changing, WNB was just nowhere in my head this time last year or in anyone's head, I don't think. And so it started in March and it just has grown a ton and taken up so much of my mental strain and happiness and all the things 
and given so much, I think, to so many people. I hope to so many people, but it wasn't something even anywhere on my radar when I was making New Year's resolutions. Ways that it's changed to answer your question more directly or ways that I hope it'll change in resolutions around it. I think because it grew so fast in such a short period of time, we were for the most part just dealing with the immediate next thing of like, oh, what's next? That's what we have to plan for and organize and figure out or what's come up right away. And that's what we have to problem solve around or figure out how to make available to our community or or do things around. But we weren't doing so much broader picture planning or thinking. And so that's one of the ways I really hope we can grow WNB in this next year of thinking about it as a broader ecosystem and making sure all the parts are fitting in within that. It's wild to me that WNB, it hasn't even been a year. I think it's wild to me that you and Emily have to consider legacy at this point, because to answer your question, I think it has become really important to people. Every developer on my team that could join has joined and they're already getting involved in different activities, which I think is incredibly exciting. And so I think it's almost at the point where you two have to consider scale and legacy, right? Yeah. And something we definitely think about is how to pull ourselves as much as possible out of the operation of the subgroups within WNB. So like, for example, the book group, which you fully lead, that's not dependent on Emily or I at all. Or there's an interview prep group or or other CFP working group, spinoff groups or subgroups, we call them that don't depend on us. Something we're thinking about is how to corral the leaders of those groups so that we're all operating on the same ethos and the same set of values, but it's not dependent on Emily or myself at all. Yeah. And Clara took over Twitter, right? Yes. Clara did take over Twitter. She's been a rock star. She has. And I love the fact that the advent of Code Channel was created and has just been humming along. And I don't know if you two have had to do anything there, but I think that's just awesome. No, that's just been going. And yeah, things like that, that I just, I'm so grateful for this community. And I, I feel really proud to have played the small role of just making a space for it because I feel like people have run with it and have been able to make it into what they need it to be, which has been extraordinary. Hey, Gemma, you published a book this year. That's amazing. In any book this year. Yeah, that was actually, (laughs) that was on the New Year's goals list. I was just checking mine from last year and that was definitely, it was on there. So I feel proud to have been able to cross that one off. Any lessons from that one? Like if someone is considering who's listening right now, hey, I want to go really niche on a very particular subject. Like, are you glad how you executed that? Yeah, I think a big piece of advice or takeaway or thing like that is you need to really be curious about it because at the end of the day, you spend so much more time on it than anyone who reads it will. And I think especially niche books like this, just by their very nature, are not going to be super like thousands of people aren't reading it. And so it's important that you care about it and you want to learn it for the sake of your own learning as well as teach about it. It was really hard and really fun and rewarding. And when I look back on that, it's I think a very real artifact of some work I'm proud of. So that, yeah, that was a fun one to be able to check off. I just love that you're the person for that right now in the community. I think that's just an incredible accomplishment. You should be really proud of yourself. Thank you. Yeah, there are definitely some other folks who are working hard on making garbage collection changes too, like Peter Zhu and Matt Valentine House are also doing really impactful work in that space. Where are you at now in terms of how much code 
you're currently writing. I know for me, I have significantly dropped down in how much code I was writing. And one of my resolutions is to get back into it. Mm-hmm. And whether or not I'm doing that at Texas or doing that in the side project, I really need to kick it back up again. Yeah, I think I do quite a reasonable amount on the side. And then at work, this is actually one of my resolutions or, or professional goals. So now that I'm working more on Ruby directly, I'm working on C Ruby or MRI Ruby. It's written in C and I'm not C fluent at all. And so to get a little better there is definitely one of my goals and more familiar too with assembly and things that widget depend on. So I'm curious, I can't imagine there's like a Go Rails for C. So like, how do you go about learning C? Is it just like textbooks? Is there any platforms for it? I'm curious, or is it just you reading the code and just figuring out what this thing is doing? Yeah, there are books. My favorite way to learn in general is experientially. I need to like touch and feel or or figure things out for myself where I can or play around or tinker. So that's a lot of how I'm trying to learn C and just a lot of Googling and relying on all of the anonymous teachers on the internet who answer Stack Overflow questions or things like that. Do you usually set broad New Year's resolutions or how do you go about resolution setting? Yeah, we should like talk about just like a whole philosophy around that. Usually what happens to me is that at some point during the year, this happens several times a year, I'll just sit down and say, hey, I'm a little dissatisfied on how things are going. I feel like a couple of my passions have come off the rails. Ha ha. And let me just list out a couple of things that I want to make sure that I work on. I have a Trello board for that. Mm. And so that's usually how I go about it. It usually doesn't hit right at the beginning of the year, though, because I am taking a week off at the end of the year from Texas, it's really kind of the perfect time to sit down and really think hard about these kinds of goals. What about you? Actually, I'm so grateful to my mom for this. In the early 2000s, she started sitting down at the end of the year and having us all write goals together. As a family, everyone writes their individual goals and it's like totally your own process, but we do it as an independent activity together. And so I just have these archives of like handwritten goals since the early, yeah, I guess for almost 20 years now, which is so fun to be able to look back on. I think makes me quite intentional around goal setting and themes of different years and it's this whole little worksheet. She used to be a teacher. So it's like, what are you proud of? What are your regrets? All the things, which is really helpful for me. I love that so much. First of all, do you display them? Do you read them to each other? Like, how does that process go? Yeah, it's an each family member for their own. So I'm quite open about mine usually. Some, Some of us are less so, but they're all in their own folders. And so like no need to share if you don't want to. They can be just a you thing. I love that. And I think it's really important too. You mentioned, you know, documenting your regrets. I have regrets for sure. And I think you don't learn unless you recognize that you have regrets from the past year. Completely. Yeah, completely. And it's easy to, I mean, sit on a podcast or sit on Twitter or sit anywhere and talk a lot about what you're proud of or what went well and talk less about the things that didn't go as well. But those are usually where the learning is. Make new mistakes. Don't repeat the same mistakes. This episode is also brought to you by Scout APM. Scout is an industry leader in application performance monitoring. This low overhead tool is designed to help Ruby developers find and fix performance issues. Scout's intuitive UI and tracing logic ties bottlenecks to specific lines of code and allows you to quickly pinpoint and resolve issues like N plus one queries, slow database queries, memory bloat, and more. 
Scout's unlimited seats and applications allow teams to collaborate without additional costs and makes it easy for any member of your team to become a performance pro. See for yourself why developers worldwide call Scout their best friend with a free 14-day trial, no credit card needed. As a special offer for Ruby on Rails listeners, Scout will donate $5 to the open source project of your choice when you deploy. Learn more at scoutapm.com slash rubyonrails. I will say a regret from the past year, you know, as I've noted that I've been doing so much hiring, I took interviewing way too personally. I would interview someone and like adore them. And like in my mind, I had it made up. I'm going to hire this person. It's going to happen. They're going to fit into this team. I'm so excited. You know, they would ultimately take another position that was a better fit for them. And I would take it really hard. And so I regret doing that. I shouldn't have introduced that kind of stress into my life, something that I couldn't really control. That is really interesting. So how are you trying to change your approach there? Yeah, I think if I interview a candidate that I'm really excited about, I make sure that they always have next steps and we are on alignment on why they would want to join Text Us and they want to join for the right reasons. But then I don't DM anybody and say, oh, I just talked to the greatest candidate. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the resolutions itself, like the ones that are really important. You don't want to burn by telling everybody before you did it. <laughs> and then you get the credit and then you don't do the thing. Yeah. What is it? You like get the dopamine hit or something? Yes. That's the, <laughs> the execution. Yeah. I mean, a good example is, you know, I'm running this marathon and it's an 18 week training program. I didn't tell anybody I was running until I was 12 weeks in. Yeah. My first one, I didn't really tell people until two or three days before. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good New Year's goal. Yeah, I have so many fitness related New Year's goals, too. I want to get this marathon done. I want to test the rumor that once you do one marathon, you want to keep doing them. You either do or you don't. Yes, (laughs) that's how it ends. And you usually know at the finish line what the verdict is. I mean, if you saw my Google searches, I mean, you would laugh. I'm like searching. Is there such thing as liquid ibuprofen to take while running? The answer is no. (laughs) Like those kinds of things. My favorite question that people are asking me, like, what are you going to eat right as you cross the finish line? Like, what are you so excited to enjoy? And I'm like, something fried and covered in sugar. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) You think you're going to be craving that stuff and then you eat it and you're just like, this tastes terrible. (laughs) And he's just like, I just, just, this isn't it right now. And then three days later, you're like, maybe I can have my fried food now. (laughs) The worst thing would become addicted to those goos because I did listen to you and I bought them Mm. and I was reading and people were like, there's no way you can eat these goos without drinking water with them, which I haven't been. And I feel like kind of a champ right now that I've been like just swinging down these disgusting running goos, but they are effective. So they're good, right? Uh, No, (laughs) they're effective, not good. (laughs) Which flavor do you do? I got berry. You got to go vanilla bean. It's delicious and effective, I would say. Yeah, you're right. Another resolution is to get vanilla bean goo, apparently. There you go. And your sponsor for the podcast. Perfect. Another personal one is listeners know that I used to be on a roller derby team and I'd like to find a sport again. I don't know if I'll go back to roller derby, but I think it was really good for me mentally to be on a team. And I don't want to be a leader on the team. I always had the propensity, you know, when I was coming off the roller derby team before the pandemic, I was president. I lead too many things, Gem, and I think it would be good for me to be in a position where I'm playing a sport and I'm not in a leadership role. Yeah, I read a, 
an article in the New York Times a few years ago that really stuck with me about in pursuit of mediocrity. Mm -hmm. That like we as a society these days, everything we do, we have to be the best or the leader or whatever. And we can't just like have hobbies for hobbies sake. If you rock climb, you're a rock climber. If you run, you're running marathons or so on and so forth. And I don't know, I think about that a lot. And it sounds like maybe that's a good or potentially something to pursue if you're not trying to like be the leader of a roller derby team and pick up something new, but just like be a, a mediocre participant of something and do it for the fun of it. That's actually a really good point and probably reflects on a, a regret from the past year. I've gotten really into baking and when my bakes go badly, I take it really hard. Yeah. And you're right. I feel like I need to be the superstar baker. I don't. Yeah. Like, no, I don't. No, no. You like there are bakeries where you can get great stuff. And yes. <laughs> mix a few ingredients and have fun with whatever comes out. I don't know if I can trust you on that because you just said that the goo tastes good. So like, <laughs> we need some listener opinions. If anyone else knows it. I've never had it outside of the context of when I'm starved for nutrients. Though, so I think that's a, a necessary caveat. Have you ever talked to someone who's like really into Soylent? Those people absolutely fascinate oh, me. No. no, I haven't. <laughs> we'll put that on your resolution list. Yeah, find someone who loves Soylent. Do you have any personal goals for next year? Personal ones? Yeah. So we're doing it on Saturday. I think the, the family Zoom, your resolution call. And so I've been thinking quite a bit about this. I think physical ones, I'll maybe yeah, do another marathon or some hiking, but I don't know what I'll write down in terms of that. I think the one I'll write down is I want to be better at stretching. I think that's really important as I am not getting any younger and I'm not getting any more flexible without intention around it. I want more consistent habits around like three or four times a week, just doing 20, 30 minute stretching session. I think it's so, a personal one. Are you a foam roller person? My muscles are so tight that I touch a foam roller and I'm in agony. So I, I feel like maybe even a goal of being a foam roller person by the end of the year would be good because I would have to loosen my body a lot to get there. Yeah, I feel like that would be a good goal. I'm the same way, Gemma. I hate foam rolling, but... Over the last couple of weeks, because of all this running, I've really learned that yoga and stretching are extremely different. I always kind of lump them together mm. and I've been doing both of them because you're right. If I don't stretch, like I'm sore the next day and now my next workout is canceled. Yeah. So, but you're right. It's so easy to just skip it. It's so easy to skip. Yeah. I'm pretty good about like after long run Epsom salt baths or things like that. But stretching consistently, I'm not good at all about. I'm jealous that you're a bath person. I wish I was. <laughs> They're fun. It's a good Next time I move, like jacuzzi bathtub has to be a requirement. <laughs> I'm going to be like, this house is falling apart, but it has a jacuzzi bathtub. We're good here. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Well, this is the Ruby on Rails podcast, and we have not mentioned the fact that Rails 7 has come out. So we should definitely touch upon that before we wrap up. Anything out of Rail 7 that you were particularly interested in? Yeah, like I said, so we're in that sweet spot right now. I know it won't be the case when this comes out, but where Rail 7 has come out and Ruby 3.1 hasn't. And so there is something small that I feel like has been less written about in the context of Rails because Ruby has overshadowed it. The Rails 7 changed their debugger to now use the new Ruby debug gem written mostly by Quichi, which is going to be shipped with Ruby 3.1 turned on by default, but hasn't been yet. And so Rails is kind of debuting it formally before Ruby has. 
Wow, that probably rarely happens where Rails is ahead of Ruby, right? Yeah, for something like that. Yeah, I think they did it because it's about to come, but, but it's a really good gem if folks haven't tinkered around with it yet. You can see like a stack trace pretty easily. You can see info about local variables pretty easily. It opens up like a little IRB or in this case Rails console for you. It's a fun one to play around with. I feel like Rails 7 was very much a release for the front end, which I think is great. I need to dig into whether or not it text us like any of this stuff is relevant for our front end. I think at work encryption with active record is exciting. Yeah, encryption. I'm glad that Spring's gone. Like, <laughs> I don't know how many times I've had to turn off Spring. So I'm glad about that. I think Zite work is incredible. So I'm really glad that it is now exclusively the autoloader in Rails. It's about time. And at the WNB.RB book club, we're reading through Rebuilding Rails. And so we've been going through the whole trusty old cons missing approach. And so it's neat to see why Rails was doing that for so long. But I think Zitework is just incredible. Yeah. So Zitework was actually not fully compatible with Bybug. And it now is with the new Ruby debugger. Which that is, is awesome. A, yeah. Positive change for sure. So kudos to the 4,000 commits and those people also joining the 6,000 contributors that made changes to the Rails code base over the years. I mean, that is absolutely phenomenal. Do you think we'll ever see a, a commit from you, Gemma? In Rails? Yeah, in uh, Rails, Ruby, like... Ruby, I have some documentation ones. I definitely, in this year, I hope to have some code change ones for sure. Rails, I'm definitely less familiar with Rails. Maybe some, but... Yeah, I don't know. I think it is a fun New Year's resolution or goal, though, if folks who are listening are setting some to of not even necessarily to Ruby or Rails, which I know get a lot of the attention, but to try and make open source contributions or contribute to a gem you really love or, or check out issues or things like that. We're taking over maintainership. What a move there where something has just kind of lapsed, but it's loved. That is quite the killer move yeah. to do. Yeah, for sure. That's a big picture. New Year's goal. It sure is. Maybe 2023. <laughs> <laughs> Set yourself up in 2022 to do it in 2023. I love it. Well, Gemma, as always, it is so fun to chat. Happy New Year's to you. So glad to have you as a co-host and excited to record more episodes with you this year. Yeah, thank you. I feel the same. Happy holidays. Happy New Year's. And I will talk to you in 2022. Yes, you will. Bye. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening. <laughs>